go, yes, we rotate. 360 degrees, high, high, 360 degrees, high, high, 306, 306, 360 degrees, high, high, Tonight on Full Circle, through montage, we take a look at the body and examine some of its needs that are supplied through food and nutrients. We first talk to Ola Obasa, the food and nutritionalist and herb shop owner, talking with us from Philadelphia. Then we'll be talking to Detroit, Michigan, to the naturopathic doctor and herbalist, Dr. Dawood Abdul-Rahman. And then we're going to talk to the authors of the new runaway bestseller, the book, Spicy Tasty Vegan. That would be Dr. Gregory Joe Bledsoe and his lovely wife, Mama Nasira. Someone's waiting just for you. Let's talk. That was Blood, Sweat, and Tears talking about the spinning wheel that's spinning around. Next, we'll have a little concoction to give you from Harry Nilsson. Sister had another one, she paid it for the lime She put the lime in the cooking 
and health consultant Ola Obasa where she works guiding you to wellness with her gifts of healing and her heart. Welcome. Mm. Ola, how are you today? I'm good, thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to be on your show. Thank you for joining us. You've been uh, doing nutrition for a while and you're also a health consultant. Can you tell us Tell us a little bit about your take on nutrition. And you also have quite a bit of information related to melanated uh, individuals. What would Mm -hmm. you like to begin? Well, I'll begin with a couple of corrections. Um, My last name is Obasi. Okay, sorry. Um, Yes, that's okay. That's okay. I live in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, not Philadelphia. And I am a nutritionist. I am a medical herbalist. Um, I'm also a, um, I do healing work. I've been ordained as a priestess um, of Ifa. And uh, I work as a a nutritionist, as a certified nutritional specialist. I work with all kinds of um, with all kinds of disease, condition, pathology states. Uh, and I apply the tools of nutrition, the tools of uh, herbalism, the tools of uh, lifestyle and spiritual interventions to assist my clients to come to an elevated consciousness and enlightened state. Um, and I'm particularly interested in developing more and more work um, just around melanin, because melanin is a fascinating uh, part of our being as, as people of color around the world. Um, it gives and enhances our ability to um, to to rhythm and um, to access certain consciousness. 
um, it makes us who we are, you know, all the gifts that we see in ourselves as loving beings, um, even though we, we, we are not always loving to each other as people of color. Um, but unfortunately, actually, yes. unfortunately, exactly. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for the correction. Um, but uh, it's important to come back to that. And I want to make my part of my work um, around the consciousness and the awakeness of why it's important for us to honor our melanin. Yes, uh, it uh-huh. is very yes. important. I agree. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So one of the ways that I do this is I generally take people through a uh, course in cosmology. Uh, being from the African continent, my father's Nigerian, my mom's Kenyan, grew up in Africa. Uh, always uh, go back home once, twice a year. Uh, studied a lot with teachers in East and uh, West Africa. I had the honor to study with a lot of the uh, my people in the western province of Kenya, as well as some Maasai um, knowledge in, in uh, Tanzania. I've also lived in South Africa, worked with some shaman there. And I've come to a conclusion, just not just in my travels in Africa, but also in South and Central America and living here in North America, when I access indigenous people, I always travel to find indigenous people. I notice there is a similarity in our cosmology. Cosmology is the study of the cosmos, you know, the universe, mm-hmm. uh, who we are, how we began, wh- where we come from, um, why we're here, what's our purpose. Um, so it's so important for us to come back to that in ourselves as melanated people. Who are you? Where do you come from? And and where do you come from doesn't have to be a specific country, but where do you come from in yourself? Who, what, what is your purpose? What is your, what are you serving? How are you contributing to the community? Um, and, and just that reminder, that foundation, which I know has been very broken, uh, through trauma and, you know, uh, forced, uh, forced placement into the Western, into the Western hemisphere, uh, yes. through slavery, et cetera. Um, that would you know, make, I know there's been broken. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to uh, to step on you. I was thinking about what you said, and that would make quite a deficiency in yes. what's happening in the African's body as he's transitioning through all this horror and trauma of slavery. Yes, yes. It, it, it's a difficult process, but it's important to remind us uh, people of color, who we are and what our gifts are. Uh, we need to remember where we're from and we need to come back to ourselves, you know, come forward to ourselves. Um, and that's I, I, not, no food, no herbs, um, nothing really can, it, it will, those will be tools that will be, a, would be bandages almost without, in my opinion, without the foundation um, of the soul and understanding where we're from, that cosmology sense. Yeah. Um, I've always been taught that cosmology is kind of like the womb of a mother. And there are many, many stars, and it's an, it's an unknown dark space. Um, and uh, it's waiting for an opportunity for creativity. 
Uh, so it's like the stars, you know, when you look up in the sky and you see all these stars and there's a shooting star and the stars join and all kinds of things happen in the cosmos. Um, a very similar analogy with the womb of a mother. And, and th- there's an opportunity for anything magical to happen or anything that you wish and intend to happen. Uh, and and it, that's where we need to be. And sometimes it starts with, it, we we don't have to lean necessarily on where we came from, but where are we now, and what can we do with the womb? How can we create there and and nurture uh, our creativity so we can be successful? So, what would you recommend? What's your in your experience? What would your consultation mm-hmm. be that people should be doing? Uh, melanated people should be giving themselves to kind of nurture and and heal from that level, even though it's been a long time from that, from slavery, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the descendants mm-hmm. are still lacking some things. What would you suggest they would do, they would be doing? Okay. Well, after understanding cosmology, then we understand our physiology. Because, again, like the womb of a mother, there's an opportunity for creativity and perhaps a child um, starts to form. And so there's a physical being that starts to be created, and and that's our physical body, all of us. And so we need to understand our bodies. We need to understand when you eat certain foods, how do you feel? Are you connected to your food? Are you connected to your eating? Um, I was just reading a book by Thich Nhat Hanh about mindfulness around eating. And he really raised some points that I've always, uh, I've always incorporated in my life. Well, I would say not all the time. I am definitely someone who has eaten and driven and walked and eaten and, st- and stood and talked and not really focusing on all the chewing and, and the taste of the food. But um, th- that starts there because, you know, we are more, we're empowered when we're in our body. So when we eat specific food... Um, does it, how does it feel? What are the emotions tied to it? Are there emotions tied to it? Is there an addiction pattern that's going on when we eat certain foods like sweets or, or, or salty foods, which is, tends to be the case? Um, so, so, you're so asking, coming to that awareness. You're asking mm-hmm. people to really examine themselves on a, on a deeper Absolutely. level. Absolutely. Yes, very good. Be an observer of themselves. Okay. Uh, my practice is about empowering people. I, I don't want anyone to rely on me as someone who they can just be coming back to over and over again. I want people to be empowered. So my, my, my consultations are around that, and that's an agreement that I have with my clients before we start. I see. We uh, definitely need to have some more of you. How can people get in touch with you to get more of your consultation and to get the gift that you have in healing? Mm. Well, uh, my website is olasherbshop.com. That's O-L-A-S and then herb, H-E-R-B, shop, S-H-O-P.com. Uh, people can go on there and they can give me a call. They can send me a, a message. They can also look for um, my Facebook page, Olas Herb Shop. Send me a message there. I'm accessible. I'm in and out of the Bay Area. Should be coming in in December. Mm-hmm. Have some clients there, so um, be following up with some clients and more people. Um, so you know, anyone can contact me. Thank goodness for the technology age, where you know you've got quick 
phones and yes. <laughs> computers. At least that's the good part. <laughs> Ola, I really, really appreciate and want to thank you for joining us this mm. afternoon. I, this afternoon, this evening. It, not only yes. is it evening, it's very late back there in not Philadelphia. <laughs> but, yes, yes, yes. Not Pittsburgh. Philadelphia. In, uh, Pittsburgh. <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you so much yes. for joining us and being with us. And we look forward uh, to we look forward to seeing you yeah. here in the Bay. You, you'll please drop in, won't you? Yes, of course I will. Thank you so much for this opportunity, Ron. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you. Blessings. Blessings. Everybody's talking at me. I don't hear words saying. Only the echoes of my mind. People stop and stare. I can't see their faces. Only the shadows of their eyes I'm going where the sun keeps shining Through the pouring rain Going where the weather suits my clothes Banking off of the northeast winds Sailing on summer breeze Skipping over the ocean like a stone. I'm going where the sun keeps shining through the pouring rain. Everybody's talking at me Can't hear a word they're saying Only the echoes of my mind I won't let you leave my love That is Mr. Harry Nielsen again Everybody's talking at me. Next, uh, we're going to take a listen to part of my conversation with Dr. Dawood Abdul Rahman. He's a doctor I trust from, I know this is correct, the Michigan Institute of Natural Health. He's a doctor of natural, uh, natural, he's a naturopathic doctor. Having a little throat issue there, sorry. Uh, he's also a master herbalist and a dried blood cell uh, analyst. So we have him coming to us on a recording. This will be part of a conversation that I had with him. Please listen. How are you today, sir? I'm fine, Ron. Good. Let me start off by asking you to give us a little bio of yourself and how you got into the naturopathic alternative medicine vein. Okay. 
I was in, uh, I started Wayne State in 72, and uh, it wasn't too much that the uh, university was giving or, or teaching as far as naturopathic medicine is concerned. Or, uh, I was uh, majoring in physical education and journalism as a secondary, uh, but I, I really wasn't learning anything, so I decided to work with a friend of mine who was going to school as a chiropractor. After talking with him, he said, you know, Dawood, you need, you need to get back in school and just learn this thing, but you have to probably go somewhere special. And I began reading books and looking for different schools that would teach alternative methods. And I started looking at Trinity, which was in Indiana, and I studied with Dr. Uh, Wendell Whitman. Studying with him, there were guys like Jethro Claus. Mm-hmm. Books Back to Eden, which I was reading. Yes, good uh, book. Gary Nall, and I uh, started taking different classes with, with different people around the state, and I ended up with Dr. Eugene Watkins, who was the founder of Pure Herbal Extract. I uh, took an iridology class with him. Uh, he was actually my mentor in herbal science, and I went on to study with uh, a class that was given with Nicholas Pericom, who's a dermatologist, he was teaching at Yale at the time, and uh, a lot of trial and error. You know, when you're studying herbs, there's three and a half million species of an herb. Wow. So, you know, one herb you may take for one particular thing, but it may have bearing on four or five or six or even ten conditions. And uh, most of my learning uh, was like the Indians, through trial and error. You know, you take an herb, you you know what its properties are, some of their properties, you use it, and then you begin to mix different herbs together. We come up with combinations, and if it works, we use it. And that's how all combination herbs are are developed, through trial and error. So over 37 years, I've I've learned a lot. I've, I've seen a lot, seen a lot of people go down. But I also know one thing, that if a person can digest, they can just about get back into the game of life. Because 80% of illness, Ron, is strictly emotional. There's only 20% that is physical. And people know that if they can get to you emotionally, they can keep you sick. Mm. So what we try to do is get a person out of the emotional status of being sick where the physical 20% 20% can get well. You see, if a person can digest, they can just about get back into life. Uh, they get sick from usually what they don't digest and, and sometimes what they do digest. But, you know, Ron, if, uh, if I was speaking to a large group of people and, and I asked them, uh, do anyone know the inception of, of why people get sick? Why do people really get sick? Uh, they, they wouldn't believe uh, the answer. A proactive approach and begin to understand what constitutes health. If a person want to know what constitutes health, to be healthy, you have to oxygenate. The body has to oxygenate. To be healthy, you have to nourish the body to be healthy. To be healthy, we have to have proper elimination. Now, there's two other things that people would have to think about. Uh, to be healthy and not be sick, you have to be able to forgive. Ooh, now you're getting back to the emotions. And then to be healthy and not be sick, you can't let a person put you in fear. Ooh. So you have to come out of fear, the fear zone. You have to be able to forgive, and that forgiving is for you. Get it off your shoulder. You know, uh-huh. don't hold a grudge. And tell a person you're sorry. You know, uh, forgive you yourself. Right. And then 
oxygenate, and then you have to, to, to nourish the body. Body has to be nourished, has, has to oxygenate. And we said, what was the, uh, the fifth one? We have to eliminate. Okay. Every living thing has to take in nutrients and expel waste. And, and uh, if you can digest, you can just about get back into the game of life. You have to digest the right things. The right thing. You have to digest the right thing. See, many many people think just eating is, is digesting, now, yeah, uh, 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 or tasting, or, or, or just getting into into the stomach region. Digestion has has a role in mastication. You have to chew food till it's liquefied, and then you swallow it. It goes down the esophagus. Takes about fourteen seconds. Go across the uh, uh, cardiac valve, gets into the stomach, and then the hydrochloric acid and pepsin uh, will create chyme. And then it has to be absorbed into the intestinal villi, into the bloodstream. So it's absorbed through the intestinal villi, into the bloodstream, and then it has to be put to good use. It has to be assimilated. Wow. You know, yeah. many people will tell you, say, you know, I eat vegetables, but I get gas. And I said, well, well, I can't eat green vegetables. I can't tolerate. And I said, well, you know what? You're just not chewing them enough. You mm -hmm. have to get to the integrity of the nutrient. You have to get past that cellulose fiber. Uh -huh. You know, and, and, and many people are just, uh, they, they chew till they taste. And when they taste, they swallow. And they're into just tasting. And I ask people in my class that I give, I said, you know, is it important to taste? Some say yes. I said, no, it's not. It's important that you nourish. Taste is a blessing. You know, my wife likes collars. I like turnips. We still eat greens, but uh, uh, we get the same thing. But she like her turnips. I like my. I mean, she like her collars. I like my turnips. Right, right, right. Interesting, and, and I love the way you explain that. Let's talk about the chime. That word. Explain that. You you use that word chime. You have to chime. What do you mean? Food has to be into a liquefied state in order to get the best benefits of any food that you eat. It has to be broken down, liquefied, so that when it gets into the small intestines, most of the absorption takes place in the first 12 inches of the small intestines called the duodenum. Hmm. And, and where these nutrients get in, Ron, depends on what organ gets it first. For instance, let's say if a, a person chews their food very well, Mm -hmm. They get it into the stomach region, and then you get this activation of uh, hydrochloric acid and pepsinogens that even breaks that food down even more, create chyme. And now, now it's ready to be passed on into the small intestines. Okay, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Masticating it to the degree that it gets into the first 12 inches, you said... Yeah, you're going to masticate chewing. That's chewing, right? Yes. But when you chew, you're going to chew it until it's liquefied. Your saliva is going to help break down a lot of this, this, this food. And now, a lot of starches, and now you got it into the stomach, right? Yes. Now it has to be broken down even more. Wow. So now you got the activation of the hydrochloric acid and the pepsin. Pepsins to help break it down. Now it has to go into the small intestine. Mm. So these pepsinogens and this hydrochloric acid is going to create greater chyme, greater mastication. It gets into the small intestine, 
Now it has to go into the bloodstream, the nutrients. We're talking about the benefit of eating food now. Now it's absorbed through the villains and it goes into the bloodstream. Now, depending on where these nutrients get in or absorbed into the bloodstream will depend on what, nutri- what, what organ gets it first. So if a person is blocked up and they're eating food, and let's say they're eating food that contains some iodine, but this iodine, this mineral iodine is being picked up at a, at a place where the ovaries is getting it. And it's not enough coming in, but it's enough just to satisfy the ovaries. And maybe the thyroid go lacking. And so now you develop a goiter. Wow. You know, add thyroid stress. Uh, blockage is, circulation is the name, uh, another name of the game in this thing called health. We have to have adequate circulation. And we have to have adequate nutrients, which means we have to have the adequate food. Because when we eat food, this food is broken down. You're going to get the benefits of the minerals, and it has to get to these target areas. And if it can't get to these target areas, an organ is going to go lacking. See, if you were to lay all of the body parts out and take a mineral and line them in a straight line, they would all run to a certain body part. You know, iron will run to the liver. Hmm. Iodine will run to the thyroid. Potassium will run to the heart. Interesting, because I was just wondering how, I know the body's intelligence knows these things, but how would I know that I'm getting to the to the right, like, like you said, it'll go to the ovaries or it'll go to... Uh, well, see, we, we, we don't, the body, like you said, the body has a wisdom of its own. Yes. The body, Ron, will never in a trillion years create an illness. Mm. It will never create an illness. The body can't do that. The body can only protect you if an illness should occur. All of these minerals will run to a certain body part. Now, the body has a wisdom of its own, right? Yes. The body's going to let you know that something's wrong. And we say, well, how do we know that? Because you're going to get indications. For instance, if you don't drink enough water, you're going to get dizzy sooner or later. Hmm. You know, you may fall out. But the, the, the body is saying, look, I'm going to rob Peter to pay Paul. Hmm. And... If you don't wake up and give me what I need after robbing Peter, now Peter's going to have to rob somebody. Uh-huh. So the body is always in a struggle to defend you. But when a person comes down with an illness, that's their creation. They created that. Now they have to uncreate it. So the body's doing its first line of defense because it has to serve what Peter needed. That's right. The body is going to prioritize itself to repair what's needed first, mm. you know, and, and, and then, you know, you may, a person may take alfalfa because they want to lose weight and uh, they end up getting rid of their arthritis because maybe that's what's most important, you know? So now the body is suggesting that you take the alfalfa, not necessarily... Or the body's giving you the urge that makes the thought that I should eat some something with alfalfa in it. Can I say that? Can That's we? right. When a person comes down with a craving, they're craving for something that they're basically missing in the food that they eat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and, and they may say, I got a craving for this, or I have a craving for that. But they're craving for, for a mineral in most cases. You know, 
when they start to crave. Gotcha. Dr. Daewoo, I'm going to have to stop right there as much as I want to continue this. Thank you, Ron. I appreciate it. You know, and uh, we, we, we have a new class starting very soon in October at Michigan Institute of Natural Health. Yes. And we have corresponding courses as well. I'm hoping to see you before then, but I'll definitely talk with you about that, sir. Okay. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you. Pleasure is mine. You're welcome, Ron. Peace. shelves. And that book belongs to San Francisco native Mama Nasira, health advocate and entrepreneur, and her husband, a Hastings law graduate and former teacher and a 30-year educator. He's a Step for Peace Awards recipient, writer, performer, musician, and singer. As a matter of fact, that was him singing. That's his music. Welcome, folks. Thank you, Ron, Thank for you, having Father. us here. It's Thank my you, pleasure. You have a book called Spicy, Tasty, Vegan Cuisine, an informative health guide for the melanated people of color. Now, Dr. A.B. Bruce, the psychiatrist, she has said of your book and of your food that this is vegan fuel that lights you up like an old-fashioned pinball machine. It's a twist and shout of flavors to a vegan vegetarian cuisine. The taste is truly a hallelujah moment. I love that. <laughs> I love that. It is so nice for a person to say. Mama. Yes. Since you are cooking a lot of this, and a lot of this is your creation. Tell us a little bit about how you got onto this track. Well, thank you, Ron, for the opportunity. I got on this track 42 years ago, working in the medical field. Um, I was 19 years old. I worked as at UC San Francisco Medical Center as a lab assistant, technician, phlebotomist. I drew blood. 
And it was a wonderful opportunity to um, have that position at that time. However, uh, I was drawing blood one day from a patient, and she um, bumped me, and the needle stuck me, and I contracted hepatitis B. That's what I was diagnosed with, and it was a very unfortunate situation. Wow, for sure. However, um, I did notice that there was some itching a few days after that, and eyes was yellow, stomach was paining, and I guess my immune system was down, too, because I wasn't eating very well at that time. Um, I had gone into the doctor, and I was given um, a blood test and a urinalysis, and a few days later, sure enough, I was diagnosed with it. And hepatitis B, and and it was uh, a blessing in many ways because it somewhat got me on the track of eating food that didn't give me much pain. And that was pretty much the food that I had to remove myself away from, and that was the fast foods. I understand. I understand that your doctor admonished you to do a certain thing. What was that certain thing? Well, after six months of um, extensive lab tests and visiting the doctors, um, he told me that I needed to eat the way my mother raised me. You know, that diet that was balanced. My mother didn't work. Uh, My father was a carpenter. So his meals were on the table by 4.30, and we had the same pretty much uh, practice of eating healthy foods. Okay, all right. Dr. Joe, tell us a little bit about yourself before we get started here. Well, uh, I come from a very large family, 10 uh, <laughs> ten people, and my parents weren't uh, the richest people on the planet, so they did the best they could. But around the time I was about 14 years old, I used to hang with a friend of mine who was a seven-day Adventist. Um, in fact, he was one of the fastest sprinters on the planet at that time, but because he was Seventh-day Adventist, he couldn't make it to the Olympics because, you know, the meets are held on Saturday. But his mother cooked food that let me know that you could do without meat. Now, although she cooked that wonderful food, there was a lot of cheese. <laughs> you, in your title, you say that you have an informative health guide for the melanated people of color. Talk to me a little bit about that. Explain to me what you're meaning and where you're going, please. Well, melanin is familiar to most of us in this role in giving skin pig- pigmentation. But um, it presents, it's present in all parts of the body, like the heart, liver, muscles, nerves, brain, and intestines. And uh, basically, it's part of the endocrine system, which is a collection of glands that Uh, produce hormones that regulate the body's growth, metabolism, sexual development, and function. So it's it's very important. And a lot of us know it as the third eye because it has rods and cones just like the eye. And if you meditate and visualize strong enough, you can actually see the image that you visualize. Interesting. And so, Mama, your cooking is helping that natural process in people a little bit more. Tell me about the type of cooking that you're doing. I know that you are dealing a lot with certain spices, and we 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 know that you're not dealing with any meat, any chicken, (laughs) any dairy, that type of thing. That's right. So just 
tell me about how that's going to help our bodies and how that's a little different than some of the other vegans that we know. Well, from my experience, um, I grew up with my mother preparing spices in her cooking. So I was introduced to spices quite early. However, in school, I studied with the Africans and they would prepare African food at my house. So I got introduced more or less early with spices like turmeric, uh, cumin, coriander, fenugreek. Those are the names you don't really, you know, brought up in America in our area. Yes. In San Francisco, we didn't hear of that. But adding those to my stews and my soup, I can tell that my body was very... um, healthier and felt good with those spices, it became like, um, and it is like a medicine to me because I don't take medication and I haven't ever had to because of the 42 years that I focus on spices and herbs. I see. You mentioned turmeric too. I know that uh, turmeric is used in natural healing to fight cancer as well. Absolutely. So that's very good. And, and it uh, also heals the um, pain in your body, and it reduces the inflammation. Because um, at this point, I'm 61 years old, and I'm healthier than most because I'm constantly, because of my early experience of, you know, the illness, um, I notice what, you know, different herbs will do for the body. Mm-hmm. And I notice turmeric when I have my pain, if I over-exercise or not enough exercises, I'll take a, enhance my uh, intake of more turmeric. Since you're doing a lot of meatless cooking, are you putting that on uh, everything? Is it just, Are you shaking it on like a salt or are you adding it to some of your uh, uh, liquid it's in the intake? food. I add it to my um, my stews. Okay. My stew is. It seemed like that's my nutrition from forty years of healing, and I just now that I'm more familiar with um, spices and herbs, and I really shop a lot in the um, Indian stores or um, the uh, Caribbean stores, and that's where you get all of the spices. I mean, just incredible spices, and I just blend them all in my food. Mm -hmm. And when I travel, um, I'm not always able to have, you know, access to all of those things. So I'll have a large container where I travel with at least 25 (laughs) spices and I just and it works. You got a to go pack that goes with you. Dr. Joe, I just heard not too long ago that there are want to introduce on the market GMO salmon. What's your thought about GMO foods, sir? Well, my thought initially when I, when I heard that was, I'm really glad that I don't eat meat. <laughs> uh, but anytime you, you have any food that's GMO'd, uh, it's, it's changed in such a way that your body can't really digest it. And GMO foods for the most part, are, are sprayed with uh, things like Roundup and atrazine, which, and that's not good at all. Uh, so when you look in terms of any type of food that's being cloned or whatever, I, I think we should just go back to the premise that I 
your body does a lot better, at least for melanated people, when we don't eat meat because it's one of the things that's considered acid to our body. Uh, we should have more of an alkaline diet that's going to be fruits, vegetables, grains, legumes, as opposed to acid things such as the white flour, the white salt, the white sugar, and also any animal protein. And I didn't want to leave out ca caffeine or alcohol. Now, the animal protein, uh, it's just anything that's acidic. Your body, in order to take it in, it has to neutralize that acid. Uh, so to neutralize it, it takes calcium from your bones. So that's why countries where people consume a lot of animal protein, and we're talking about yogurt, eggs, meat, uh, I mean the butter, anything from the animal, they have the most brittle bones, or as they call them, the highest rate of osteoporosis. So uh, I think it's very safe from this point of view just not to eat anything that is cloned. I gotcha. Tell me, Mama. Yes. There's a lot of stuff going around about cooking oils. Tell me a little bit about the cooking oils that you prefer. Well, cooking oil, as I had thought of earlier, um, was one of the reasons I had became ill. These stores, um, restaurants, they have the vegetable oils. And vegetable oils, it's not truly oils, you know, that comes from vegetables. So it's also engineered. So over the years, I have um, learned that extra virgin olive oil is good for um, salads and low heat because you don't really want to um, overcook it because it'll burn. My number one oil is coconut oil, raw organic coconut oil. And I also, as in the book, indicate that Africa is one of the places where coconut oil is important or just eating coconut. And since we're in America, we have not really um, didn't know. And when uh, coconut oil was removed from the um, from our stores in the last 20 years, we didn't know. And we became very ill. And a lot of us are not here because of it. So it's a blessing that now we know for melanated people, we should specifically add more coconut oil in our diet. Yeah, I've noticed that there's a surge of coconut oil, coconut milk, just coconut products on the shelves, and I'm hearing you say that's a good thing. What's some of the properties that coconut oil has that the other ones don't have that make it so desirable? Well, well we'll let my husband speak on that, please. Well, thank you. Uh, it's been classified as a superfood uh, because it's one of the healthiest foods that you can use in cooking. Uh, over one-third of the world's population depends on coconut for food. Um, and the populations that live the longest and healthiest are the ones that eat a lot of coconut. I mean, coconut, you can use it for in baking and substitute it one-on-one -on -one in most baking recipes. Um, and we use it a lot in our smoothies. We use it for pulling. Um, and since the fats in coconut travel directly to the liver, it's convert, converted into energy right then, and it's not stored as fats. So for those that have diabetic problems, uh, coconut oil would be the way to go. Okay, I see. Let's talk about water. Tell me about 
some of the problems that we're having with water and what your preferences are? Well, uh, Mom and I have discussed this because even though we consider her to be one of the best vegan cooks on the planet, your food is only as good as the water that you use to prepare it with. Um, now, we have challenges with a lot of our water now. Not many of us are able to go to, like, the head waters up at Mount Shasta and get it right from the mountain. No. <laughs> By the time it gets to us, it's gone through treatment plants, it's gone through pipes, and voila, this is what you have. Um, and as a result, it, drinking water can become very problematic, whether it is uh, using um, different processes like reverse osmosis. Uh, it could be uh, filtering uh, using different filters. Uh, it could be distilled water. Um, uh, it could be alkaline water. Now, we have tried a little of everything, and at, at this point... Uh, we do have a system that, that we are working with that we don't consider, that we consider is real good and it's not as expensive as some of the others for whatever reasons, whether it's a, a marketing program that they use or whether they're controlling things or whether they're just trying to make money. But for the most part, uh, we would, we do have a, like a multi-pure system. We used to use alkaline. Uh, we would not be objected if you did the best you could by putting them all together. The thing is, is try to get the best water that you can. Gotcha. Now, you have so much information packed in this book, and, and it's such a pretty book, a nice uh, shot of vegetables. I, I just love it. You also have some things that are not about an intake of health. Uh, two chapters I want to get to before it's time for us to go. One, you talk about men being slow. Give us your uh, capsule version of exactly what you mean about men being slow. Well, I think in order to set it up, Mama, could you tell us your point of view first? Well, my point of view is... Men, I didn't really recognize them as really being slow, but I know that they're different. Uh, thank you for being kind. <laughs> uh-huh, different. And it depends on the mother who was there in your life or all the women. And I raised three sons, and I had the opportunity to feel that I wanted to them to be maybe more than their dad was. You know, I wanted them to be better because maybe there were some areas where their mom weren't able to weren't able to really um, help them and give them as much of the guidance so that they can be the better man. Okay. Now, now let's hear from Dr. Joe. Well, when, when a man comes in, into this life, I believe it's karmic. Being born as a man is the cost we pay for what we did or didn't do in a past or past life. Now, most men are so slow that they aren't aware or have any idea that they're slow. And when I, what I mean by this, it's an attitude that I characterize as being unaware, unconscious, and disconnected from the appreciation of the value of other perspectives. Because it takes roughly about 50 years before the average man begins to mature. And uh, we have in our book a whole lot of reasons why when a man carries something heavy for a short period of time, that's about where the superiority ends. Mm, interesting. I uh, 
No people will want to pursue that a little closer, a little further. So remember, the book is Spicy, Tasty, Vegan Cuisine. And it's an informative health guide for melanated people. Dr. Joe, you also talk about forgiveness. Tell me how that ties in with our health. Well, forgiveness is very important because you cannot uh, really heal unless you forgive. And uh, I, I understand that healing is a very powerful, uh, forgiveness is a very powerful tool that we have that we should use a lot more. Yes, and in our book, we set out steps on how to do it uh, in case you don't have any. But if there's no judgment, healing is going to take place. And we're talking about resentment, envy, jealousy, because our very thoughts affect every cell in our body. So if we're having loving thoughts, this is going to promote healing. So one sure way to be to heal is to forgive. I like that. I like that. Forgiving is powerful. Yes, indeed. And I like what you said in terms of how the thoughts are uh, influencing every aspect of our being. I think that that's very important. My goodness, the time starts to go so quickly. Let's talk about really quickly some other aspects that you have in the book with the time that we have remaining. Uh, I wanted to get to the information that you have on prostates, but let's talk a little bit about things that we wear, like our antiperspirants and our deodorant. Okay. Uh, well, basically, uh, we should be as natural as we possibly can. A lot of the things that we have is antiperspirants. They can block up your pores. Uh, they can mess with... Uh, parts of your body that you don't really want to have mess with. Uh, and they can cause some challenges. So what we in the book is set out a bunch of natural things you can use as deodorants without using those things that cause problems to your body. Like? Like lemon or lime, shea butter, or we use patchouli. Some of the essential oils are really good mm -hmm. for... Uh, keeping down perspiration, and your diet has all of what happens to the odors in the bodies. So sometimes when you eat more meat, meat can give the body a different odor than for one who's plant-based or vegan or vegetarians. I need to know how people can get in touch with you. Would you give us your website or Yes. Um, the website is SpicyTastyVegan.com. SpicyTastyVegan.com. Facebook.com slash SpicyTastyVeganTheBook. We also have books on the shelf at Rainbow Groceries, San Francisco. And this, yeah, this week we're also going to be at the African Diaspora Bazaar. Yeah. And it's located at the Humanist Hall, 390 21st Street, Oakland, California, and we'll have a demonstration there. So yes. you're welcome to come out if you care to. So please, it starts at 12 and it will end at 6. Are you going to bring out that big Harley Davidson type? <laughs> These people have the strongest 
mixer I have ever seen, the strongest blender I have ever seen anywhere. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mama Nasira. Thank you. Thank Dr. you. Dr. Joe, do really appreciate you coming in and sharing this beautiful book. Appreciate well, that brings us to the end of tonight's show. We want you to tune in next week to Full Circle. That's also happening at 7 p.m. right here on KPFA. We'll be bringing you an updated live from Delano. And as some of the people from KPFA and the apprenticeship program that traveled down to the famous town to honor the 50th anniversary of Delano's Grape Strike. Now, we'd also like to give special thanks to our production and technical interns from Group 40, Kumba Voices, and Group 41. Still just another number. Also, our executive producer is Ms. M. Our technical director is Frank Sterling. Joy Moore is our production consultant. I've been your host, Ron Thompson. We have at the board that's doing all of our great stuff in there. We have Mr. Josiah Luis and we have uh, supervising in there Mr. Greg Jackson. We also have our uh, tech assist Miss Sylvia and David. Well, to thank you all. Now, we still have a moment, so enjoy this. And stay tuned for La Unta Baita. Mm-hmm.